And we're back for another Far Train. Guys, this is your host, Eben Stratton Serum. Couldn't make it. This was a 1v2 interview with myself and some good friends, Dave and Travis from Taco Truck Creative. These guys are the madmen of golf. Okay, if you've ever bought a golf club in your life, there's a really good chance that it was Dave and Travis that convinced you to go buy it. They've basically been doing all of the best golf advertising for the last 15 years for TaylorMade and now Callaway. And this conversation is a great one. I mean, it, it goes through things that can help you improve on your path regarding if you're looking to do anything creative in your life, they've got advice and things that they wish that they did differently back in the day when they were starting out to some funny stories and just great conversations about what it's like to be on set with the best players in the world. What happens when you're trying to shoot a guy, shoot a commercial with a guy that just won $1.3 million the day before and is hung over from a tournament they won? Um, a lot of great stories like that. So I'm just going to go ahead and get into it. This is a bit of a longer interview, um, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. All right, and we're back for another part train. I've got my good friends, Travis Graham and Dave Huerta on the line. Guys, before I introduce you and we get this thing going, I just realized we've come a long way. I mean, you guys saw me as a 22-year-old young buck taking shots of fireball while doing timesheets at the end of the week. I mean, now look at us. We're on a podcast together. It is crazy. <laughs> I never thought when I saw you fireballing that you would ever have your own podcast that was the first thing i figured you would never have right so i don't know if that fireball is great for your career or what the deal is but it's pretty cool to be together i always like to start you guys with something fun easy win um worst idea you've ever been pitched okay you don't have to say the name could be a client could be could be an internal uh colleague Worst idea you've ever been picked. Anything come to mind? Hard to pick, I think. Yeah, that may... <laughs> there's, there's, so, uh, there's so many ideas that don't make any sense whatsoever for the project at hand. Uh, that's tough. I got I to gotta think honestly about that. Yeah. I know we can, uh, do I... the magic of editing, make it seem like we knew right off the top of our heads. Well, I can tell you that um, this is not from a colleague, but I was hanging out at the beach with the kids one day. And there was another guy standing next to me. His, his kid is playing around in the beach. So we start talking and I tell him that I work on Callaway doing advertising, TV, and, you know, all kinds of cool stuff. He tells me, I have the best idea for Callaway for a commercial. And I'm like, oh, God, here we go. This guy, you know, is not in the business, but he thinks that he has the best idea no one's ever thought of. And so for the next 15 minutes, he proceeds to ask me if there's a way he can get paid for the idea before he tells me what the idea is. Oh. And I'm just laughing to myself thinking, God, how many people in the world have the best idea there is and, you know, and think that they're going to get rich by it. So the idea was awful and I won't even tell you what it is because I don't remember. But um, wow. needless to say, he probably still an accountant somewhere wow worst idea ever no idea just tries to get paid for it interesting okay so yeah. all right i'm gonna go we're gonna jump around here okay we we make our own rules here on the train um we just went from silly to now we're just gonna go we're just gonna start a little deep here okay um a lot of people 
seems like they struggle to start, myself included, um, when they're given a creative task or maybe have an idea that they want to start themselves. How do you guys, and do you even have, do you still have the voice? Because you've been doing it for so many years. How do you fight that voice in your head that says your ideas suck or prevent you from getting started? Well, that's a good question. I think for us or for myself, I guess I'll just say, you have to load in a bunch of information uh, for me into my, into my head. You know, a lot of, if it's specifically about advertising, you have to, you know, get a lot of information about whatever the product or service or, you know, uh, cause you're trying to promote or sell. You need to understand everything that goes into it, the research behind it, the design, what led to the product, what's, you know, it's all those normal marketing stuff that probably sounds cliched, but all the, all the strategic insight, all the technology, all the competitors that you're going to be going up against. And for me, the more information I can load in, then it starts, you know, it starts kind of swirling around in your head. And, and it, with, in the absence of having that kind of information, you're left truly with just your creative instincts and your I don't know, your gut, so to speak, as to what's a good idea and what's not a good idea. So I always start by trying to get as much information as I can and then starting to evaluate that and, you know, kind of analyze what the market looks like and, you know, what's already out there and then then start writing down ideas, good or bad. Uh, it's like the old the old saying, there's, there's never a bad question. There's there's never ultimately a bad idea when you're just starting to generate ideas. I think people get really nervous. I think to throw out an idea, even if it's just by themselves. And that's uh, something you have to get over real quick. You're going to have a lot of bad ideas. You're going to present ideas that people don't get. You're going to say something to a partner or to a group of colleagues that you're trying to brainstorm with and no one reacts. (laughs) You have to be willing to almost be, I guess to a certain extent embarrassed, but, that's part of the process is just starting to get, get the ideas flowing. Um, and from that, you know, if you're doing it right, you're playing off of uh, your partner that you're working with and you kind of create, create the idea together. So you can't be, you can't be scared of having a bad idea to, to what, to what you were saying. You know, if you're constantly sitting there, think, Oh, this idea sucks or I, I don't know what I'm doing or I don't have any good ideas then you're, you'll never make it as a creative professional, so to speak. You just have to be willing to go down those paths and find out if they work or if they don't. So it's kind of like when you hear an author say, like, you know, you're, you're going to have a shitty first draft. Like, just accept that the draft is the draft and just get something down on paper because the hardest thing to do is just get something down. Similar to that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, being a writer, you know, between you know, Dave and I, Dave being on the art direction side and, and my side of the career was on the writing side. Yeah. You have to just be willing to get something down and, and you have to also be, you have to be brutal with yourself to determine if it's really a good idea or not. Cause to Dave's comment earlier and what you're asking about the worst idea that's ever been pitched. A lot of people think they have an idea and it's usually a very surface level first thought that comes to mind and more importantly first thought that would come to everybody mind but that doesn't mean it's interesting you know or something that's going to stand out or get your attention so 
yeah, you really just have to get anything out of your head and, and just get it down on paper for no other reason than it won't be sitting in your head still swimming around, uh, which can cause you to not really have any ideas because you're still thinking about this one thing. So you just got to, yeah, you got to be willing to get it down on paper or, you know, a sketch pad or, or whatever form you're working in uh, just to have something start. You got to start somewhere. So you just have to be willing to do that. How do you guys differentiate an idea that will work versus not? Uh, that's a tough one. In the beginning, I don't, I don't know if we know, you know, like we are taking, as Travis was saying, we're taking as much information and intel as we can to help us, to kind of help us guide our thought process into areas that we feel are relevant to whatever audience that is. In this case, it's golf. Um, that like makes sense for the goals of the client and the product. Um, and that's ownable for that product. So in the beginning, you know, we try not to limit ourselves in terms of those things, but as we continue to process an idea generation, we're trying to kind of allow those things to kind of steer us or guide us into the right, the right areas. And, and the way we work on things is we generate ideas from all kind of angles, all kind of angles, because you can tell a story a thousand different ways. But, but we're also trying to look at what the competitors are saying and, and, you know, we don't want our work or our clients' work to look or sound like anything else. So you have to find a place in the consumer's mind that, that you can occupy, that makes sense, that they'll believe, and that's ownable. So it's kind of hard to know in the beginning, but I think we get there through the process of just cranking out ideas and, and you know, making sure that, if Travis and I believe the idea and it makes sense, then we feel like, you know, consumers will will give us the opportunity to to believe what it you know what we're saying or or what the product is about. Yeah, I mean, we're the, probably the biggest cynics there are <laughs> in golf. In, yeah, in golf advertising. No, you think of it that any type of marketing because it's what we do nonstop every day. You know, so if we have to, we were just talking about this last night, actually, or yesterday with someone else at a lunch meeting we had, I think creatively you have to be, you have to almost be an actor in so much as you have to be able to really identify kind of the personality of the brand or the product and then allow yourself to just kind of act like that person or that product or that you know, idea you're trying to communicate, regardless of who I am as an individual, you have to kind of role play, if you will, um, the, who you're talking to, how that person might, you know, respond to the piece of communication that we're creating and just kind of embody it. And if, if we don't believe it, there's no chance that anyone else is going to believe it. And again, my, my threshold for BS is really high. So can you say BS? Can you say podcast? BS? Yeah. Yeah, you can, you so can say it. <laughs> if, uh, if we're hearing something that we're being told, you know, from, um, you know, a, a client in any capacity where you kind of go, all right, that come on. Like, how am I supposed to convince anyone of that? Right. You know, we'll sit there and punch holes in those, uh, 
in those statements with our clients to try to find, okay, well, what is the unique angle? What is the, what is the one thing we're trying to say? And how do we say that so that people pay attention? And until I can buy into that myself, then I, then I'm not, you know, I can't get behind that idea and then start creating something that someone else is going to believe in. Yeah, I think in it's in it, but it's not all that I think the trick and why some people are really good at advertising and, and others are not is because it's not all based on just information and statistics and things like that. There's a large part of what we do that is based on intuition and instinct and emotion and that kind of stuff. So we take, all of that information and you know in a sense we have to be like like strategic risk takers almost because we're we're telling a client that what we're showing them is going to connect with consumers on on some level and so in that when we get to that point i think it's it's actually really fun because it's kind of like you're jumping off a cliff and there's no net there and you're hoping that what you're telling the client is going to, you know, happen. And when it does, based on your instinct and intuition and the information you've got, it's a really cool feeling. You feel like you're kind of making magic in a way sometimes. And so that part of it's really cool. But we don't, we don't just come up with ideas because we think something's cool. We also, you know, we have to start with information and, and uh, things to go from. So. So, yes, yeah, speaking of ideas, you guys have come up with maybe thousands. I know hundreds, but maybe thousands in the last, what, like 15 plus years, the selling drivers and different golf clubs. I know we've talked about this many times before, but for the listeners, how do you come up with new ideas for essentially the same thing year after year? That is a, uh, that's a <laughs> solid question. I think it's like... I think it's like um, music in a way. Mm. Like there's only so many notes on the scale, right? But somehow there's millions and millions of different ways to make music from those notes. And, you know, we've kind of gone down many roads. We started from the same place. For drivers, everybody wants more distance. <clears throat> so it's a really hard story to tell over and over and over. But we've... <laughs> We've gone down, we've started from the same place and gone down every direction you can possibly think of. But it is a, in a way, it's just a combination of ways that we tell the story that allow us to, you know, try and tell it a different, different way. Sometimes it's just execution and sometimes it's concept and sometimes it's both. But I know Travis has been writing <laughs> similar headlines for the last 15 years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you think of, to get, you know, all, to get specific, if you think of all of the different brands in golf, regardless of the brands that we've worked on, they all have their own personality, right? Mm -hmm. There's, um, they all have different uh, customers and those customers like those brands for different reasons. So something that you would write, if, to get specific, if you're writing a driver, a headline about a new driver, and like Dave said, they they all do the same thing for, you know, at simplest. They're just trying to hit the ball farther. You wouldn't write the language the same way for every single brand. It, it would have to be different for each one of those brands. 
And then each product has a different story, even though ultimately those drivers are all fundamentally doing the same thing. So when, yeah, like Dave said, I mean, for 15 years, basically I've been writing headlines about hitting the ball farther. And somehow we find a different way to say it, or at least create a different energy around that language or those ideas. Um, but yeah, to say that we've written, you know, nearly, nearly every headline is, is partially true. And at the same time, it's not true at all because you always find a different way to go after it. But I think what, what we have, what we know now is that you can't just say the, the same <laughs> five words of, you know, distance, long ball speed, fast, you know, and, and scramble those words up in different ways and, and make people believe it. There has to be more substance behind it. And a lot of that comes from the way things look, the way things uh, feel, you know, if it's a TV spot, the way things sound and the technical side of creating the, you know, the advertising, the execution of it, like Dave said, it, it plays a major role. Um, but yeah, you, you just have to keep thinking, okay, we've already said that. So we got to say something else. And how do we go about doing that? I mean, high launch, client, I mean, high launch, low spin, heard of it? High launch, low spin. Yeah. Never <laughs> heard that before. Um, and, you know, admittedly, the clients have heard it all as well. You know, so fundamentally, again, that's what the products are designed to do. But you just have to find an interesting way to, to say it. Everyone's got to believe it. And you, you do have to say all of those things when you're getting into describing the features and benefits and the technology and whatnot. Uh, but you've just got to you've got to be able to make people believe that. That uh, there's a reason why you're saying those things are why this driver's longer than the driver that was longer last year, that was longer than the year before, that was longer than the year before that, you know, the technology definitely gets better and better and better. So those, those statements are true. Uh, but it, you know, people get desensitized to that language because you, you hear it all the time. So you have to find a new way to say the same thing. So I guess this will kind of, um, close out the creative process part of this, but, what would you guys say for someone that just wants to get into a creative field? What would you tell yourself back when you were like 22 to 23 years old? Any advice that you've learned now that you wish you knew then? Um, I think I would tell myself uh, to take more risks. You know, I think when I started, I was really probably over um, sensitive to making sure that I wasn't doing anything that was stupid. I wasn't saying anything that didn't make sense. And I didn't want anyone to look at me and go, what the hell is this guy talking about? But I think, you know, for people that are going into advertising, the only way that you um, increase your own value is to allow people to see you for what you do and what you're great at, what your ideas are like. If your ideas and the way you work are similar to someone else's, there's really no reason to have two of you there. And um, so, and I think to me, the fun of advertising and concepting is coming up with crazy stuff that, you know, no one else would. And when we, when we watch TV or we see ads or we see anything online, videos or whatever, the ones that we like are the ones that we're like, Shh, I would have never thought of that. That is 
so cool. And um, so I think you can only get there by not worrying about what other people think and, um, you know, just plowing ahead. Yeah, you do you. Yeah, I guess if I had to, uh, yeah, to, to talk to my 22-year-old self, I think I would tell myself to listen a little bit more. Mm. <laughs> and I think what that means is, you know, as a creative professional, you're kind of put into a position where you're presenting a lot and you're talking a lot and you're debating a lot. You're engaged in strategic conversations and brainstorming and you're throwing around ideas. And sometimes in the process of that, because you're so engaged in the kind of conversation around it, you can you can almost lose your ability to to hear um, what other people are are saying and and what they're truly trying to share. You know, because you have your ideas in your head, they have their ideas, and it early in the career, like anything else, it's a competitive sport. I mean, you're trying to stand out. And you're trying to show your ideas and get people to listen to you uh, and prove that you're just as good, if not better than everyone else, which is a, a good, you know, it's a good thing to have inside you to want to be competitive. But as you, you know, mature over the years, you think, well, I probably would have maybe even excelled a little bit quicker had I kind of eased off a little bit and listened more to other perspectives, which gets kind of to Dave's point, like not being scared to say something stupid. Um, You can learn a lot creatively from listening to other creatives and how they approach things. And when you're starting off, sometimes that's hard to, to, it's hard to realize the value in that. Um, At least in my opinion, you know, you get much better at it as you get older and more experienced and you start working with more and more people in the industry. Uh, Cause there's a lot of really, really talented people, a lot of really smart people and everyone that's, you know, quote unquote creative comes at it from a different angle. So you can learn a lot if you listen to what people are really sharing. Um, and I, again, I, I think that it's an active thing. You have to consciously decide I'm not going to, you know, I've made my point. I don't need to keep having the debate, so to speak. I can just kind of listen to other people's perspectives and then, you know, make all that work together is always, is always a good thing. Sure. Yeah. I was going to add to that, that, you know, in our business, we have in many businesses, you have like brainstorming sessions. And early on, I felt like I need to have my fully formed idea completely make sense and be awesome before I say it in this group. But I realized that, you know, you don't, that's not what that is about. That kind of activity and process is not about sharing fully formed ideas. It's about using everybody's idea to leap from one thing to another, to another, to another, and see how those ideas evolve, ultimately, hopefully getting to something that's really cool and unique. So it's not about, you know, my idea is better than the one that the guy just said before me. It's just about like, oh, what is that trigger in my head that will allow us to kind of shape something that's pretty cool? And when you do that, it's actually really great because you feel like, you know, you and a 
few other people put something together that couldn't have been done on your own, you know, and that's really part of the fun part about advertising and coming up with ideas is that you're doing these things together. Well, speaking of looking stupid, uh, (laughs) you guys have been telling some of the best players in the world what to do on camera for over a decade. And, you know, I've, I've been there on set with you guys, these pros they can hit a golf ball with their eyes closed, but when you tell them to act, they get just as nervous <laughs> as you and me. So um, I wanted to know which pro is the best actor or best on camera. I, know, I don't think any of them want us to say that they're good actors, quite frankly, um, just based on what they actually are known for. Right. I Here's what I'd say. There are a handful of, I think, so, I think it comes down to personalities, right? There are a handful of tour pros that we've worked with over the years that their actual personality is very fun and playful and they're kind of more loose and they don't get as uh, concerned with um, not looking like they know what they're doing. And then much like any of us, some people are, are just not comfortable um, on camera, which is funny to say about a professional athlete. And I've had this conversation. Uh, I think it may, I'm not exactly sure who it was with, but it was a couple years ago. And this tour pro was just not, it, it's funny. Like how, when you're, when a camera turns on, how you, you forget to like walk, you don't know how to walk. When we <laughs> tell you, okay, we want you to walk from your bag up to the, up to the T markers <laughs> go through your pre-shot routine and hit a golf ball and drive the ball. And we've got cameras set up to film that action. But the second you tell them, okay, action, and they have to walk, you start analyzing everything about yourself as that person that's doing the action, you know? So then you got like they, the dead arms, <laughs> you got like dead arms yeah, next exactly. to you. They're not even swaying. <laughs> Yeah, all of a sudden you forget how to walk or you like stumble or you're trying to walk cool, you know, or look tough or something. And it's just funny how I remember saying specifically they were one of the pros was debating about a a line we were having them say or something they were doing in a like in a fun, playful way. They were kind of giving us a hard time for making them do the action over and over and over and over again, which is part of filming so that you have multiple takes from multiple angles. They always do different things every time and you got to have multiple pieces to go back to in the edit room to make sure that it's going to look right. And I was, they were complaining about not complaining, but just kind of joking about how hard this is and how nervous they were with all these people staring at me. Cause there's, you know, 30, 40, 50 people on set watching from the other side of the camera. And I laughed. I said, you know, you stand over a golf ball on Sunday with a million plus dollars on the line and a win and you stripe it. And that doesn't that doesn't bother you at all. You got cameras everywhere and there's millions of people at home watching you. How is this any different? And the response was makes perfect sense when you hear it. It's like, well, yeah, I'm good at that. I'm not good at doing any of this. You know, I've practiced my whole life to do that. I haven't practiced my whole life to do a commercial. So when you I remember hearing that thinking, oh, that's a really good point. Those guys don't even see the cameras or the gallery or the people, you know, for the most part when they're actually competing because they're so laser focused and they're doing something they know how to do really well. So 
to answer your actual question, who's the best actor, uh, you know, to, to name names, I'd say Phil. Phil's great on camera. He's super comfortable. Yeah. He's super playful uh, in terms of his personality, which I don't think is any different than, than what golfers, you know, fans of the game would think. And we, we see how he, how he acts on social media now. He's just, uh, that's his personality. Uh, Sergio is really fun to, to kind of uh, film with. He's got a fun, energetic personality. Uh, and going back to kind of, you know, years back on other brands that we worked on, um, I'd probably say, let me think here, Justin Rose, Jason Day, Mm-hmm. Uh, some of those guys are, are some of the nicest human beings, regardless of being a golfer, uh, that we've ever, that you, that you'll ever meet. And they just have a, an, a kind of a comfort with, uh, with being in that environment. So, but you know, after 15 years, I can't really think of one situation with one tour pro that was so bad that uh that it that either we couldn't make something work or they just were so uh uncomfortable that they that they were having a problem with it most of them are are great and you know they're human beings like all of us there's days they're in a in a great space to to do the stuff we need them to do and other days that it's a bit more challenging but you know no one's really ever been a problem so to speak dj's been tough dj I mean, I remember doing something with him, asking him a question, and he like locked up trying to figure out how to answer. You're it. nervous, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the question was, um, "Can you be a great golfer and be a safe golfer, or something like that?" You know, he's he's like known as one of the longest yeah. drivers on tour. So, you know, can you play safe but also be a great golfer? Was like kind of the question, and he like was trying to think through. I don't know if he understood the question or if he was just trying to be politically correct. And then he kind of just uttered something that didn't make sense. And then we, we basically moved on, but um, it was kind of a funny moment. He's, I, he's an awesome guy. Oh yeah. I remember being on, I think one of our print shoots and we were on a par four and we had to shoot from the fairway, obviously for the three wood shots. And he was facing towards this green that was probably like, you know, 180 yards away and there's houses on this course and we're hitting three woods. I go, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. We need to make sure that, you know, this isn't going to hit this house. He goes, Hey man, chill. We're cool. <laughs> He's just <laughs> ripping three woods like over this house. He was like missing it by 10 yards every time. That's funny. Phil is great on, on camera. He really understands, you know, what branding is about. Um, and he sometimes will, ask us so you want me to hit this way okay well the lights over here don't you think you want to move the camera over to the left side instead and that way you'll kind of get me on my finish and we're all kind of laughing to ourselves we're at like yeah yeah i guess that would make sense we should probably do that (laughs) so he's an amazing guy but um always great on set and and just a really sharp guy understands you know production and golf and the golf swing and and coffee as well so so let's say let's say you guys are sitting around a fire. Uh, Trav, I'll give you a scotch. Dave, I'll give you an iced tea. And uh, okay. you know, you guys that's are just what we're doing right now, Evan. Oh, perfect. Yeah, see, I know you guys. Known you guys for quite a while. Uh, 
and let's say you're just sharing stories, you know, laughing around the fire. What could be better? Uh, what is your funniest experience or memorable story with a pro on set? Well, there's there's a there's a variety of different, you know, whether they're funny or on set or off or just around those guys um, and during in the middle of productions. There were, you know, one I remember one thing vividly. We were shooting down at Reynolds Plantation down in Georgia, and this is when we worked on. Uh, the tailor-made brand years back and we were probably on three or four different holes uh there were different crews filming different tour professionals uh kind of simultaneously and i'm trying to remember what year this was but it was right in the tail end of the season where like one of the first or second or you know whatever it was playoff uh tournament was going on i believe it was down at east lake at the time so we were all filming, and on that particular day, uh, we had uh, like Retief Goosen, Sean O'Hare. Um, I'm trying to remember who else was there, and they were on different different holes. And all of a sudden, uh, we knew weather was in the area, and huge storms came in, and the uh, like extreme like you know weather warning sirens started going off in the area and all of a sudden it just started to just absolutely pour rain and lightning and it you know it was dangerous and we needed to get off the golf course for obvious reasons so everyone piled into this um fitting bay building at the opposite end of one of the ranges because we were filming back there so there was probably 40 of us inside this little conference room and they had the tour on cause they were finishing up in a playoff uh, situation or it was coming down to potentially a playoff. So there was 30, 40 of us in this room sitting next to Retief and Sean O'Hare. And those guys were watching the tour coverage and we were just sitting there like fans of golf, all watching the tour finish up with a couple of, tour pros that uh that particular weekend they uh those guys either weren't playing i think they just weren't scheduled to play that week because they didn't they hadn't advanced that deep into the playoffs i think anyway it was just funny to hear sean and retief they were sitting there and i remember sean o'hare saying i have never been this nervous on the golf. i've never been as nervous on the golf course as i am right now watching these guys finish and it was funny to hear them talk about watching the coverage and how you're cutting from shot to shot to shot and the drama that the commentators are putting into it. And it was just funny to hear them talk about how nervous they were watching, but they're never nervous playing, um, mm. which was just kind of a, a funny thing to hear. I also remember one particular shoot where going back to Dustin, where he was on the tee box and you have to lock down the sets when we're hitting golf balls and so no one drives in a golf cart. And in one particular instance, someone did not lock down the set and DJ rips a drive and a golf cart comes around the corner and the ball fortunately uh, did not hit anyone, but just ripped right through the windshield of one of the golf carts and just shattered the entire plastic windshield, uh, which was scary and then really funny because no one got hurt. So, you know, there's kind of funny stuff like that where, you know, just accidental things happen um but i mean there's honestly there's probably 
there's a lot of stories we can't tell yeah. uh, that are great anymore. Um, I mean, there's stories like guys, you know, winning their first event and then we're happened to be filming them the next day. And, uh, you know, they go out the night before and have a really good time and maybe show up on set a little bit late and maybe a little bit hungover. Uh, and, and those, maybe, and maybe they have to throw up in between takes oh. <laughs> maybe. You know, out in the, but, oh, uh, I know who this is. But hey, they, true professionals. True yeah. professionals. They they uh, take care of business and get right back to what we need to do. So yeah, there's a lot of funny stuff. I think like I that. know the person that was taking this particular player around the cart when he smiled to himself <laughs> and she said, "What's what's going on?" And he goes, "That 1.3 million just hit my account." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It was like a. Can you imagine getting a uh, a phone notification that's saying a deposit just went into your bank account of one point three million dollars? Yeah, I can't. Um, I can't actually. But what's what's even? I mean, what's cool about that though too is that was so early on in someone's career, mm-hmm. and it was just it was like their first big win, you know. So to see the kind of the innocence of that actually happening that wasn't planned, and to see them react like, oh my god. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a cool thing to see because no one's like showing off like, hey, look at my phone. You know, it was just more of a we all heard that or, you know, that the person driving saw the notification and, and then the laugh. And then you get to kind of share that moment in a in a in a, you know, in a weird way that, you yeah. uh, you know, you get to see how how excited someone really is. I mean, obviously that and I mean, that's a lot of money, obviously, but the work that goes into that and then to see the reward is, uh, is just kind of a cool thing to experience. And we've been with pros on set where, you know, they're talking to their agent who sometimes is there as well. And I can see them going back and forth. Like, so what happened? You know, the pros asking the agent, the agent's like, I'm checking. And then the pro says, did we get it? And the agent says, yeah, we got it. <laughs> And they're talking about a they're talking about a Ferrari the guy just bought like two minutes ago, <laughs> and so our, our working in the, what we do is you know we're concentrating on getting the footage we need and the and the acting and the shots and all of that stuff. But it, we do sometimes get a little peek into what it must be like to be under thirty and be you know multimillionaire and what those people might do with their money. Pretty fun. Well. I'll- a lot of people don't realize what it's like to be on set. And I've described it as like, it looks almost like aliens have taken over a golf course because there's hundreds of people. Every hole's a different shoot. And it's like a war zone. Like you said, with like locking a hole down, a lot of times these, you know, you got to be hitting, you're not hitting directly where the hole designed you to because you have to get certain lighting and angles. So I remember being on a hole where there was balls flying everywhere and it was almost like... You got to take cover. So you combine that with being around these pros and these little stories and these nuggets you get. I mean, it's it's quite an experience. Yeah, definitely is. Definitely is. It is a circus. It's, yeah, circus is a good and, one too. Uh, and the you know the pros are kind of like you know the lions that we ask to come into the center ring and do what they do, and they're just doing what they do, hitting golf balls, and around them is just tons of people. You know. Everyone has a specific job on the set, so a lot of times it looks like there's a lot of people there that really are unnecessary, but when you have to really work fast and and get as much assets and as much footage as we need to in the time we have with them, 
it does take quite a few people to really be good at their singular job, just like, you know, a pro is great at playing golf, not great at acting, but all these people on the crew, you know, they have a job in the, and they're being held accountable to perform when they have to perform. And so um, everyone kind of, everything's kind of orchestrated in a way so that we can get everything we need and the pros don't have to stand around and, you know, wait as much as, as much as they hate to do that. Yeah, for sure. So it seems like you guys, I mean, I'd be pretty confident to say you guys understand the golfer maybe as, as well as anyone because you get us to buy new golf equipment every year for a lot of people every year. So I got to know, how do you do it? Why, how do you make us look at that and be like, oh my God, I think I got to get that driver. <laughs> Well, I don't know. It's our job, really right? Tell, you if really we want tell to tell you, then, on that. then someone else will be able to do it. Oh, so um, it's to tell you I'd have to kill you move. Nah, well, I think everyone said, like, there's a common joke, like, golfers are eternally optimistic, right? They're, they have all this hope, you know, where you'll heal, you'll heal, not heal people. <laughs> you'll hear people say that golfers are like sheep, you know, mm. and some of that sounds like a pejorative and, and, you know, in other times it's, it's kind of true. So I think like any, I mean, if, like any hobby or anything you do when, you know, new stuff comes out, you want to check it out. You want to see what's, you know, the, the coolest new, if you're into fly fishing, when new reels come out or new rods come out or new gear comes out, you want to check it out. You know, it's like, any other activity that you're involved in, uh, you always want to see what the latest, greatest technology, um, you know, there is out there. So going back to, I said something earlier, like the technology is always getting better, you know, materials and design and, uh, you know, with, uh, computers and artificial intelligence and machine learning and all of the stuff that we couldn't do or the, the, uh, you know, the manufacturers couldn't do years ago, they can now, they can now, uh, get more information and, and more data and test and simulate more things at a, at a faster, um, rate. So, it's only natural to think like the technology will be getting and is constantly getting better. And I think a lot of that plays into why products continue to be made. I mean, it's a business obviously, but there are, you know, there's better ways to make products today than there were even a couple of years ago. So for us, it's, it's exciting. You know, there's new technology coming out and another new product to talk about and, and, it's not um, it, our job is to get people excited enough to pay attention to something that people fundamentally don't care about. And that's advertising and marketing. Nobody wants to necessarily watch a commercial unless you're in the industry and you want to check out what's going on. But, you know, our job is to tell a story and to get people to pay attention enough to then decide if they want to, you know, go check it out in store, go online and, and get more information about it and then decide if they want to go demo it and ultimately, and ultimately buy it. So I think we're, we're fans of the game. We're golfers ourselves. And, and there's a lot of uh, really, really cool stuff that's out there. And it's, it's just, 
you know, I guess to a certain extent we've, we've played a role in getting people to go spend some money, but usually, uh, I mean, we're, you're asking people to spend money on something they love to do and something that is really enjoyable. Um, and sometimes can be extremely frustrating, <laughs> but you know, that's part of the fun of the game, uh, is that kind of constant quest to get better and to see how far you can really take your game. So that's a lot of what we play off of and, and understand about golfers being golfers, but doing this as long as we have, you know, we see all the actual data and research and all that about buying habits and, and what golfers pay attention to and what they don't pay attention to. And of course that, that comes into, into play when we're coming up with ideas, but a lot of it's just, you know, it's getting people excited about something they love to do, which in a lot of ways, isn't that hard. What do you, I think you kind of referenced some things there, but what do you think makes a golfer unique? And the, there's like a magic when, when you meet another golfer, it's almost like your kindred spirits, you connect immediately. There's, there's gotta be something inside of personality or personality traits, the core of a person that makes someone really get into golf versus someone who has no interest. What do you think that is? I think golfers for the most part are pretty accepting of other golfers. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that we understand how, how unbelievably hard the game can be. So (laughs) you see people struggling or playing well, you've experienced that. You see people get frustrated. You've experienced that you've had great rounds that have turned South and you've started off horribly and then you've played well. So I think you, you appreciate the struggle that can kind of exist. And at the same time, you, I think in a, people are really willing to support someone and congratulate them when they're, when they're doing well, which is pretty unique because a lot of times you meet total strangers on the tee box. And you think about what other things in your life where you meet a complete stranger, then you spend like five and a half hours with them doing something that can bring you to your knees in terms of being frustrated or it can be incredibly rewarding and fun so uh, i think golfers are just kind of accepting of one another because we understand how how difficult it can be Um, but it's a it's also at the same time it's usually usually a beautiful environment and it's just fun you know you're you're out there enjoying being outside and the camaraderie that comes with other golfers even if you've never met them and and regardless of of skill too i think you know, what's, what's a good shot to a tour pro and what's a good shot to a 20 handicap are very different things, but fundamentally you can both appreciate that. Um, because you, you see someone do something well, regardless of how good or bad they are, you, you understand that emotion. Uh, and just as well as seeing someone hit a bad shot for a tour pro and a bad shot for that 20 handicap are very different. And you can see how frustrated those people are, regardless of how good they actually are at the game. And you can also appreciate that because it's the same emotion. It's just relative to their abilities. So you kind of have a lot of connection points, I think. Yeah, totally. It's that shared experience that, as Travis was saying, it reminds me of, uh, you know, like new dads on the playground. And they're, they have like their babies in the baby Bjorn in front of them and they look at each other and they're like, dude. And they're always like, bro, <laughs> like, <laughs> you totally know what the other person's going through. And, and you're like, Hey, I salute you. And I salute you back, you know? 
for sure. I got a few more, and then um, I'll let you go. Um, Travis and I were talking about this the other day, and I'd love to get your guys' take on it because this always makes me laugh when I when I see this on TV. But I feel like if you're a golfer, which most of the people listening I would imagine are, I'm sure you've noticed when like a this is like such classic move by a big brand. It's like okay, well we bought ad space during golf, so we need to make an ad for golfers. <laughs> So it's like a Rolex or a MasterCard ad and, you know, things like the guy's hitting an iron and they put a driver sound in there. They put people with terrible swings. It's like unmarked clubs. Like what goes through your guys' mind when you watch these ads? Honestly, it, it's laughable. I mean, it kind of just makes us chuckle because, yeah, you have these – there's a lot of brands out there that you know have big budgets and uh, and are wanting to communicate with the golfing audience. And they, you know, they just don't, I don't know, go the, the distance, so to speak, on making sure that the, that what it is they're trying to show is authentic and, and actually looks the way it's supposed to look. Yeah. So, yeah, when we see like clubs in a bag that there's like eight clubs in a bag instead of 14 and none of the clubs, none of the woods have head covers and somehow the irons and the woods are propped in the bag and they're not even moving when they're walking down the golf course so that you can see whatever they want you to see. And, you know, people are, I mean, we've seen stuff where there's left-handed and right-handed clubs in bags uh, for a right-handed golfer, you know, where the gloves on the wrong hand and the, you know, it's just all of the stuff you, you, you see, and you're like, what, what is happening? Like, (laughs) how is this brand making those kinds of mistakes? And then expecting people to, I don't know, you know, think that they are a, a true golf uh, supporter, so to speak. And who knows? If, I mean, most people may not even pick up on that. But, you know, like if you're an authentic player, you kind of notice that stuff right away. Especially, like you said, Evan, you hear, a, you know, someone's hitting an iron and it sounds like a driver. Uh, you know, you, you just kind of laugh. It'd be like, you know, if you were... I don't know. I'm not a surfer. I've never done anything in the surfing industry. And then to get a budget and say, Hey, go make a commercial that we're going to run during a world surf championship, you know, and you have people jumping into the water that clearly have never surfed, don't know how to carry a board, don't know how to put the leash on correctly. Don't know how to wax the board. Don't know how, you know, all of those things are just, are just symbols of just total ignorance. Um, one of the best things is when we when we're trying to get actors or actresses or extras to to be in the commercial because we can't you know always have the pro and their caddy show up uh, to a shoot just because they're busy people and have lives and logistics don't always work out and we'll ask someone to just okay we need you to pick up the bag uh, the pro's going to walk off the tee box and you pick up the bag and follow them. Do you know how to do that? Yeah, you're golf. Yeah, no, I've played golf. I've seen it. Yeah, I've watched it too. Okay, cool. Sounds basic. It sounds pretty basic, right? Pick up the bag and walk. And then the pro will hit, start to walk off, and the caddy will pick up the bag like they're bear hugging someone. (laughs) You've seen that, and they start to walk. And we're like, all right, cut. Let's bring the bag. All right, we need to put the bag over your shoulder. Oh, okay, cool. Sorry, I misunderstood. Next action, pro hits the ball, starts to walk off. 
and then they put the bag over their shoulder with the clubs facing backwards and the bottom of the bag facing forward. And then we'll do it again. And then they'll pick it up like a suitcase, like the suitcase handle and start to walk off the tee box that way. Like it is astonishing how simple it seems like it is and how people have no idea what it is that they're doing. So fortunately we make sure that stuff doesn't make it on air, but um, there's a lot of, a lot of brands that I think try to, say they know the game or they they want to be in that world and then they they make silly mistakes um, which you know yeah some people may never notice we see it right away and i think real golfers see it right away and just kind of laugh i think my last question for you guys would be you know besides your creative work and working with you guys what do you think callaway's done in the last i don't know five plus years that has taken them to number one in, in so many categories uh i think that they've you know, they've done a really good job of focusing on innovation throughout their product line. Um, you know, we work to try and tell the stories of the innovation. And I think in a way we have the advantage over other brands in that, you know, like, like for instance, TaylorMade. TaylorMade has a couple of messages they're trying to tell. One is about the technology and innovation. The other is that they have all the best pros on tour. So in a way, they've got to kind of split their dollars to tell both of those stories. Callaway right now doesn't have as many recognizable players. We have got a lot of great players, but um, we're concentrating on positioning Callaway as an innovation leader, whether it's drivers or wedges or irons or putters. And so we can really focus on kind of hitting those messages with, with whatever product we're, you know, we're talking about. But it all has to be, you know, it all has to be proven on the course. So whatever innovation they put in there, when people buy the product, they have to perform. And, and so they're doing that really well. And I think, you know, we've tried to focus on telling those stories, like I mentioned, as best we can. And, and I think those, those messages are kind of striking the chords of people who actually want to have fun on the course, have great products. And, you know, don't feel like they have to be tour players to, you know, be part of the brand. Yeah, I would say, and to add to that, they've, Cal has done a really great job of having and having a relationship with the customer or the fan of the game, the golfer, that isn't only transactionally based. Mm. You know, it's like any, it's like any relationship with another human being. If, if you you can't constantly be asking someone to buy like here's a club, here's a club, here's a club, buy now, buy now, buy now. Like you can't just have that type of a relationship anymore with potential customers, right? They, especially in something that people do for fun, right? This is, it's a game that people enjoy and they want, they want to engage and they want to experience the game even when they're not playing. And Callaway's done a, an incredible job of um, kind of leading the way in the social space and the kind of accessibility to the brand and the content that they create that isn't always about the tech or about selling something. And it allows golfers to engage with the brand and kind of get to know them and their personalities. Um, I think that in combination with incredible products that are performing is what's really giving them, uh, uh, you know, so much momentum and they, they, 
they know they have to continue to do that. You know, it's funny, like in advertising, people were always saying, oh, social media is going to, it's going to kill advertising. Advertising agencies are dying. Uh, you're not going to, you're not going to be able to survive because, you know, people have access to mediums now, like social, they can just post and stuff. They can post things themselves. And while that's all true, on the flip side, the technology has created a need to, for brands to continue to engage with their customers or potential customers. And it's kind of a, it's a cool thing because you, now you get to experience the brand really just as a fan without always having to buy something and understand that there are people behind those brands that run those brands and they have personalities that, that come to life and the brands are more than just a transaction. Um, especially if you're not buying a driver every year or a set of irons every year, you can't just engage with those golfers when you want something from them. You know, you need to constantly kind of have a relationship and that's not, that's not just because you want them to buy something. It's just because people want to engage with you. They're reaching out to find out what's going on at Callaway. So they've done a great job of, of making themselves much more accessible um, and, uh, and, and develop that kind of connection with people that want to connect. Again, it's, it's something we do for fun. We don't need to play golf. Um, but the brands that um, kind of allow you to experience them, I think, really do well. And they, they certainly are doing that like I said, on top of making great products, you can't, if the products aren't performing, none of this really matters to a certain extent. You know, you've got to have great technology and you've got to lead in that space. Um, otherwise, you know, people aren't going to obviously come play the products and spend the money and, and, uh, and enjoy the brand. Guys, this was, this was great. I know we went a little bit longer than we thought, but, um, you guys know, I love you. Um, if you guys out there are ever thinking about doing anything um, with content or advertising in the golf space, I mean, these, these are your guys. Taco Truck Creative. Google it. They're on Instagram. Check it out. And, um, yeah, thanks so much for coming on, guys. This was great. Yeah, thanks. It's always fun to, uh, to talk about nerdy stuff like golf advertising. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, we're, we're – we're uh, happy to have the conversation and talk, and it's always fun. It's good to hear your voice, and anytime you want to talk, just let us know. Sounds good. All right. Have a good rest of your week, boys. Enjoy. All right. Yeah, you see you, buddy. See All you. right. Bye. See you. Yeah.